Welcome to Beyond the Tools, the podcast that helps contractors attract more leads, grow their business, and finally get off the tools. In each episode, you'll discover marketing tactics that work. You'll get actionable insights from other successful contractors and connect with experts to help you grow. I'm your host, Crystal Hobbs, owner of a social media agency that helps contractors attract and convert more leads. Get ready to take your business to the next level so you can finally enjoy the fruits of your hard labor. Ready? Let's go. Hey, contractors, welcome back to Beyond the Tools. I'm your host, Crystal Hobbs, and today's interview is all about leveraging technology in your home service business to be more effective and more profitable. Our guest on this episode is Gabe Pinchov, the founder and CEO of FieldPulse, a field service software. What we really dig into in today's conversation is how you can leverage technology to make your business much more effective from an operations perspective, how you can sell more, and how you can also provide a better customer experience. Gabe gives some really practical tips on the sales process from crafting an estimate to following up with estimates that have gone out. This is a really great conversation and Gabe has so much insight to offer. So let's head on over and hear from him. Gabe, welcome to the show. Super excited to have you here. Yeah, thanks for having me on. So I am curious, I know you come from more of a technology background, but how did you get into software for the trees specifically? Yeah, so I do have more of a technology background dealing with small business, mobile applications. I was doing IT consulting and uh, we were dealing with different small business apps um, in different areas. And so I had exposure to what was out there and, um, and what existed and Really, most of the service industry is in the small business category, um, but the smaller end of kind of under 20, under 30, under 50 person companies uh, really didn't have a great solution. And I was also dealing with different service contractors that were not using any technology and creating different mistakes, whether it's with their scheduling or handwritten quotes and invoices where the math was wrong and they couldn't find previous information. And uh, so I saw a big need for... Um, software that was designed for small service contractors and also something that's very mobile friendly. Uh, at the time, um, mobile applications in general were still newer and evolving um, and they're always evolving, but uh, the, something that's really mobile first and designed for them and uh, really caters to the small end of the market that was underserved. Yeah, that makes total sense. And I know exactly what you said. Obviously, I'm generalizing here, but a lot of contractors are more pen to paper, face to face kind of people for the most part. And technology can be certainly intimidating at times. What are some of the challenges that you see in the trades when it comes to using technology in their business? Yeah, I think it's just committing the time to really do it. But we are seeing kind of a shift in general, especially last couple of years where I think there's a lot more proactive embracing. Um, and some of it is just new generations taking over. And for them, the default is to get to technology. Uh, but there's a lot of stuff you can do with technology that you simply couldn't do with pen and paper. 
And uh, so if, if you're not embracing, there's some elements that you're going to be left behind in, whether that's simply optimizing your schedule and day to really get more out of your workforce to what customers demand. Customers are now dealing with different technology day-to-day and they have expectations on how they want to be serviced. And that's everything from when they hail car rides with Uber to ordering food. Um, and so they're starting to expect that experience in other sp- other places. So it's an element of, do you stay up with that and move into that trend? Or do you continue kind of in an older approach um, where others are still moving forward though? Yeah, I think that's a good point in terms of like customer perception. If you're showing up and you know, kind of writing everything in a notepad and, you know, it takes a long time to get a quote back or those types of things. Obviously, that's going to have a big effect on your sales as well. Well, the the service element in general is huge. And and one of the things I talk about is that we find a lot of service contractors, they started as tradesmen in the trades, and they're really great at that. And they believe that's what will carry them forward and it can your quality of work but the other reality is customers can often not tell the quality of their of your work like you can Um, your customer is not an expert in what you do and so but a lot of what they do see is the service and reliability aspect Um, and that is really one of the most important factors for a customer ultimately they can tell did you show up on time did you reply to their messages were you proactive about things They might not be able to tell whether your install was good or not, at least not sometimes till down the road when there are issues, but they can tell if they had a good experience with how you treated them and the service and the speed and the timeliness. Um, And that can ultimately be what really separates people. And just speed and interaction is key. Um, We've seen that often the first person to turn around a quote um, can often win the job. And so just the element of how quickly you're handling them and handling their needs can ultimately be the deciding factor rather than the quality of your work. Yeah, I think that's such an important point. And I want to dig into that more. But I think it'd be good to get a little bit of a lay of the land when it comes to technology in the trades. Because I know sometimes at our agency, when we're talking to HVAC companies, I'll ask, you know, are you using any sort of CRM? And they're like, um, well, like I have QuickBooks. And, you know, there are all sorts of different software and platforms for different things. So can you share a little bit, I guess, in your experience, what are the different tools that a company in the trades might need? Yeah, so I think there's levels of progression, but we see people from literally nothing without a website and without custom email address, everywhere up to people on fully sophisticated systems like a field pulse. Um, And so the different elements, I think you start with, you definitely need a website and a way of capturing your inbound leads. And there are more sophisticated systems that can take your leads. So elementary wise would be taking your phone calls and emails. Uh, But then there's also different ways of capturing everything through submitted forms and their information, even to the level of chatbots on your website and walkthroughs that are trying to get a little closer to what your problem is before taking in that information. And then ultimately, where does that information go through the workflow? And so everything from managing the customer information to then scheduling and dispatching. So software and technology that helps with that element. 
Um, a lot of service contractors are still using text messaging or calling in or having everyone meet in the office in the morning of. Um, but changes and updates and um, schedules are really hard to manage if you're not using a joint team scheduling tool where everything is shared dynamically and actively. And then beyond that, creating estimates and invoices. I think that's actually one of the areas we see most people digitizing first because there are some free estimate invoice tools out there and including in QuickBooks. But uh, it's really the connections between all the different technologies. But there's so much. And then you go to Timesheet um, and using technology for that because um, properly tracking your guys' um, timesheets and their locations where they were is critical. A lot of service companies want to make sure are there guys at the job when they said they were are they actually there when they clocked in not somewhere else to managing um, your maintenance agreements and assets and, and really just everything across the board and there's a lot of technology for the marketing side uh, if you look at even internally at a company like ours we use several different tools um, i think in the service side you typically are a little bit more simplified in your offering but you still need to identify and work on the key areas, uh, which we talked about kind of websites, lead generation, um, email marketing to your existing customer base, especially dependent on your trade. If it is something where they might be using you more often, you want to stay as that main point of contact and re-engage them. Um, and then when we look at marketing, the, the other element that I think is a little bit forgotten is really how do you impact the sales experience with marketing so that they choose you versus others when you're providing a quote or an estimate. Mm. So in your experience with some of the customers that you've worked with, what are they doing to make themselves more likely to be successful when it comes to that quoting and estimating process? I think using technology to be consistent and being able to put together something better, easier. You can handwrite and you can manually create estimates and invoices, but using templates and predetermined information allows you to do better quotes and estimates faster. Um, and then the biggest area that I see people struggle with where you, you see a huge difference with technology is really the following and tracking of your quotes and invoices. So on the quote side, which ones have you sent out? Which ones have you not heard back on following up on them and keeping a cadence and keeping your customers through a sales process? It's really hard to do if you're not using anything to track it. A lot of times if you're using pen and paper, you send out your quote and if you hear back, great. If not, they move on. Uh, but the reality is, and we talk about this a lot, is that following up makes a huge difference. Um, and that's just part of Kind of human psychology sometimes people need a little nudge a little reminder to get going and so many times that little nudge be like, yeah okay let's do this while otherwise they kind of just put it off or forget i know i do that sometimes i'm uh, i engage something i learn a little bit about it then i kind of forget they send me a little follow-up like hey did you want to do this yeah let's go ahead and do it now but otherwise it just kind of disappears and i think people don't realize that just the small follow-up and having that cadence automated and making sure you're following up with everyone can be the difference of winning and losing deals. Yeah. So when it comes to following up, like what what do you see as best practice? How should they do it? How often? How many times? Yeah. So people have different approaches to how many times. I've seen some people have like seven, 10 follow-ups, which I think could be a lot. Um, it depends on the situation. It also depends on the type of work you do. Um, I do think you need at least a few. But what I like to preach or 
or talk about when you do a follow-up is it's better to do a follow-up with new information or new kind of value or education or some kind of change rather than just saying, hey, I wanted to check in. Hey, I want following up. Hey, I want to check in because that is annoying. I don't like that. But if you come in and say, hey, I wanted to update you on this question you had. I got an answer for you, X, Y, Z, or this changed and I want you to consider this or we had this new promotion or whatever it is coming in with something new that's of value or changes the scope or their mindset is a lot better of a follow-up in my view than just saying I'm checking in or following up because those are annoying and just annoy the customer. Yeah, that's a really great point. I love that. The idea of having a new angle or something worth reaching out to them with. So let's say you're an HVAC company and you're going to somebody's house to quote them. How does that process typically go? Or what do you see as being most effective? Do most of your customers, do they end up doing that process like live in the home with a person? Or are they kind of taking it back and sending it off later? What does that look like? Yeah, no, I think that's an interesting question. And I think that's also part of what we've done. And what we're actually focusing on a lot more on now is showing them how they should be approaching the sales process and opportunities of what they see and then how they do it. So uh, typically, okay, why does someone call you? Their air conditioning is not working for whatever reason is typically. So you come out, you'll do a diagnostic and you'll say, okay, this part needs to be replaced and that's fine. Or your system or equipment is old and you probably need to replace the whole thing. Or you might need to do the entire system. Um, but traditionally, there's a few things we see. One is that people can't provide or quote or estimate on the spot for bigger items. Uh, smaller items, typically everyone wants to uh, do the job and replace on spot. So that's good, which is not the case in other industries. So specifically the HVAC, they are pretty good at kind of diagnostic and then trying to quote on the spot and perform the work, uh, which is really good and best practice. Some other industries we see a lot of, okay, I'll send you a quote and follow up and come back to you. And I think that time difference and not being able to provide a quote on the spot and be able to discuss it with them and go through their concerns can be a huge difference in winning deals and being able to address their issues and maybe even getting um, a response immediately. And then the other element is really guiding them to options. And so let's say you they have an issue with their um, system and you can replace it with a part, but you also know their system might be 10, 20 years old. Um, and one of the things we're trying to get into is how do we put automated proposals together? We have it ready, but we're trying to actually pre-can and do everything for you guys, really where they're saying, okay, I can repair it with replacing this part for X amount, or we can do a whole new system that is significantly more energy efficient and you can finance it for however many dollars a month, but you will save this much on your air conditioning bill. And so it's a net zero. And so you're presenting a new opportunity for a much bigger job that is ultimately making you more money rather than just doing a quick, easy replacement. And the way you sell and showcase that is critical. 
because you're taking factors in like the energy savings, any um, subsidies there might be, the value of the system and how it impacts your home. All these elements are parts that you have to market in your sales process that, that people don't do well at all. And so that when they, they traditionally present it, they'll just say, okay, you, we can repair it. And if they want to offer a replace, it's a replace. But then when you look at the cost, it's can be five, 10 times the amount. Um, and so people aren't willing to go that. So positioning in the sales process, specifically in HVAC is critical um, and something we think the industry can do a lot better to sell new systems, upgrades and, uh, and be more profitable. Mm. So when you look at some of your most successful customers, like what are some of the things in that process that's really working for them? I think um, having their quotes and proposals pre-prepared ahead of time in the different, what, whatever their different needs are, right? So they have it set up. So if they have to do X type of system, they have a proposal set up that's really good and ready to go. And the ones who don't have that and they're having to create it on the fly, you're not going to create one as good and it's going to take significantly more time. Um, and so they're not including those elements in their proposal that really showcase why they should pick you, why they should go with this choice over another. And it's really about selling better to get to win more deals, but also have a higher margin. Um, and not having that prepared ahead of time is the biggest difference we see in terms of the ones who are better at that and not as good at that. Mm. So when it comes to pricing, I guess, what I would imagine they would have to have certain kind of systems and processes in place to even be able to do that in advance. Is that fair to say? Yeah. And so it's interesting because if, if, if you look specific at HVAC, and we've been kind of talking mostly there, uh, their cost of the system is a huge factor in their ultimate price. But we've seen some that take the specific pricing for every system um, and then apply markup on top of that. Uh, we've also seen some that have generic frameworks and pricing that where they know this is where it will shake out for uh, a two-ton gas system. And so they don't need to go into the little nuances, but they have maybe five, 10 prepared of the different scenarios. Um, and they know the ballpark pricing and they have a high enough margin where they're ready to go. Um, what we're actually working on now is merging those two together where they can have it ready to go and they can have the exact cost of their system so that they have the benefit of the ready to go proposals, but they're actually pulling in their true cost of all the different systems. Because when you look at the system configurations from one brand, there could be a hundred different options based off if you need gas, electric, um, or you need this type of system, or you need a horizontal or vertical, or if you want, um, there are tons of variables and it depends on the house and what fuel source they have and stuff like that. And so it can get complicated, but really merging the two for us is next level. And this is something we're actually working on right now to, to really get them that, that locked in profit margin they need while still having all the sales capabilities at the same time and being able to put that in in a few clicks. Um, and I think that, uh, from what we see, is really game-changing for them. Mm, yeah, that makes a ton of sense. Cool. So when it comes to implementing a platform like FieldPulse into your business, how do you get your team to buy in? How do you make sure that everybody that needs to be using the system is doing so appropriately? I think it's a good question because I think that is the biggest obstacle is that 
people don't either make the time or find the time to implement it. Um, and we've seen people implement and do it in different ways. Some people are up and running during their trial and are ready to go. Um, and, but those people have decided that they're going to invest in this, their time, their effort to get it going. Um, sometimes we also hear interestingly that uh, they couldn't get their guys to use it, which is a bit strange to me because they work for you. You tell them what to do and that's how they, this is your process. And so it's also about, okay, what is your process and is the tool and application part of that process? And that's just how you have to operate. Um, and the other big factor that we see with adopting technology is, okay, your approach to implementation. Are you trying to do everything at once? Um or are you trying to do piecemeal by piecemeal over time? And it really depends on your situation, what you want to do. And so we give people that option as well. But some people have success where they say, okay, we're going to start simple and we're going to just implement the part of the technology for scheduling. And so everyone in the next month, we're going to nail scheduling. We're going to get everyone on in that. We're not going to worry about quoting, invoicing, asset management, maintenance agreements, all that other stuff. We're just going to start with one. We're going to get that down. And then once we've gotten that, we're going to move on to a new piece. And so you're doing it over time and you're keeping the complexity low. Well, we've also seen some people, they just want to get everything on immediately. Uh, but then you have to be willing to take your team, sit them down and really train them to get everything across the board. If you're just trying to throw them in the app um, and it depends on the user and who's doing it and their level of um, experience and sophistication with technology, uh, some companies end up failing that way. Yeah, that's interesting. I even find with our clients, we've realized that, you know, we need to train them up front and then we need a check-in call, you know, two to three weeks later to make sure things are going well. And I even find for some clients a couple months down the road because they've kind of fallen back into bad habits and need that refresher again. Definitely. It's really about them buying in and doing it. It also depends on the type of technology used because some technologies are naturally more transactional also in their, um, in their model in terms of their support. And so you're, you're forced to do it on your own. And others have a heavy customer success implementation model where they are investing the resources. The cost will be different for it typically. Um, you'll spend less on those transactional types where you're self-serving. But if you need that extra help getting implemented, which we actually typically recommend, you'll have to pay for that kind of like in your own business. If there's um, more work, you charge more. If there's less, you charge less, obviously. And so it, it aligns with your appetite. So I know a lot of clients that we work with, sometimes they want one tool that can do it all. In your opinion, is that possible? Is that what people should be looking for to have like one platform or piece of software that does everything? So um, yes and no. I think it also depends on your company size. And I feel like uh, so and your technology sophistication. So for us internally at Field Pulse, we're a technology company. So we're not that's kind of native to us. So we do use a ton of different software across the board for each element. Uh, but if your core business is not technology, I do think getting an all-in-one system or as close to that, there's always going to be some elements that are not, whether it's like your accounting software um, or your marketing was probably separate. Or, but getting all-in-one can be a huge time saver 
um, and cut down on issues. And it's really the interrelation of everything that's critical. And in my view, and I don't realize I'm biased, uh, the interrelation is super critical in service contractors. Having your CRM have all the information on your estimates and invoices and files and photos and um, assets is key and being able to cross-reference and when you're opening an invoice, being able to open anything related to it very easily and seamless within the same window is huge. And so in my opinion, in the field service space, having something all in one and together um, really increases your efficiency dramatically because you're not hopping between different applications. You're not worrying about things integrating properly, which sometimes have issues. Um, and you're really getting everything in one instance. But on the flip side, um, you won't, you possibly won't have as robust of a capability. So for example, um, we have some marketing elements, but uh, if, if we were to build our, our marketing suite out more, it's not going to be the, to the level of HubSpot, for example, right? Um, who that's their bread and butter. They've been building that for 20 years. But you might not need that and that might be overkill. And so you have to pick and choose where do you want to go deeper and then you might have something standalone or where do you want something integrated? And I think it's it's based on your appetite, your your savviness and and what you need out of that system. Mm. So at Field Pulse, what do you feel that your system is strongest at? Like what's the main thing that is most powerful if somebody's looking for that? Yeah, so we have a ton of different modules, but the three biggest areas that are kind of the core, the CRM, so managing your customers, and that feeds into your job scheduling and dispatching and managing your team through that. And then your estimates, invoices, and payments. Um, we also do timesheets, kind of like a fourth main thing, and then there's a bunch of other modules, but those three are the ones that are really core to the program and are most interrelated. Uh, because when you're looking at, your customer profile in their CRM. What are the most important elements? It's the jobs you did for them, your invoices and payments, right? So when you're looking at a job in your scheduling system, what are the most important elements typically? The customer's information and your invoices, quotes, and payments in this business. So those three are so tightly knit that it's the core of our platform. And those are the three that I would recommend you don't separate out into different systems. If you want to get something else for marketing or timesheets or even something like inventory you could. Uh, but those are the three that I recommend you keep in one system. And I know in the software landscape in this industry, you know, there are all sorts of different tools. And a lot of them, like you said, are, you know, at a much higher level of company. So for you guys at, at what size company or like what level of revenue does field pulse make the most sense? Most of our customers are between one and 50 person companies. Uh, so we do get one man shops on. There is a large element of team management in it. So the one man shops aren't doing that, but there's still a lot of value they can get out of it, especially in just keeping themselves organized and historical information, creating really great sales quotes and proposals and just tracking everything across the board. But they do lose some of that team management stuff that they don't need um, that's critical for it. But I, I would recommend getting on something even as a one-man shop because eventually if you do want to grow, it makes it much easier too because you're just saying, okay, here's our process. I'm adding another person. Now you're just feeding into that existing process. You never want to grow, never want to add more people. I think it's easier to get away with 
not being on one. Um, but I would, I do recommend to people say, Hey, if you do want to grow, it's better to get one. Now you nail it for yourself. And then adding another user down the road is so much easier. But in terms of sophistication, I think we've also seen as they get bigger and bigger, hundred plus users or people, they start wanting dedicated accounting systems that are sophisticated and dedicated other branches. But um, really under under 10, under 20, under 30 person companies, we still recommend that you're using a pretty comprehensive all-in-one system. Mm, that makes sense. So I know we've covered a lot here in terms of being able to use technology to make your business a lot more effective and to be able to better sell and provide a better experience for the customer. I guess any last uh, words of wisdom for our listeners when it comes to implementing technology into their business? Yeah, in terms of implementing technology, I think um, you need to decide how you want to do it, right? What your technical savvy level, which is kind of obvious, but um, you need to decide, okay, can I self-service? Then maybe a self-service tool um, is suitable for you. But if you're not, you, you need, that's something you need to consider. Because if you look at different technology platforms in the industry, uh, not only do different platforms service different verticals uh, and maybe have a focus, like one might be more towards certain service industries than others. And that's something I think you should consider which aligns best with you, but also what is best suited for your company size and what is their customer success and support like? Are they transactional, in which case they're expecting you to do it yourself, which is which is common and you'll get a lower price point doing that? Or do you have a team that's willing to help you get implemented, which will typically cost a bit more, but if you need that, it's super critical and you should go that route. Mm, that's great. So I'm sure our listeners are going to want to learn more about you and check out Field Pulse. So what's the best way for them to do that? Yeah, um, fieldpulse.com. You can learn more and feel free to uh, reach out to me, find me on LinkedIn or something, shoot me a message if you ever want to chat. Awesome. And we'll make sure that the links are in the show notes as well. So for anybody listening, you can check it out there at beyondthetoolspodcast.com. But thank you so much, Gabe. This has been a really awesome conversation about how you can run your business more effectively. And I'm sure listeners are going to take a ton away from this. Awesome. Well, thanks for having me on. Hey, guys, just wanted to say thank you again for listening to Beyond the Tools. I love hearing from our listeners and knowing what topics, what guests, what's resonating with you from these episodes. So if you want to share your feedback, please do so. You can DM me at Reflective Marketing on Instagram, Facebook. We're also on Twitter, LinkedIn, TikTok, wherever you want to. So at Reflective Marketing. And if you are enjoying the show, please go ahead and leave us a review. It really, really helps us out to spread the word to other contractors about our podcast. So thank you so much again.